Hello and welcome to the IT Governance Podcast for Friday the 27th of January 2023. Later on, Cammy will be talking to Steve Watkins about his pocket guide to the new iteration of the ISO 27001 Information Security Management Standard and what ISO 27001 2022 means for organisations. But first, here's the news. On the 13th of January, the marketing automation and email marketing platform MailChimp revealed that it had suffered a data breach after an unauthorised actor gained employee credentials via a social engineering attack and used them to access 133 MailChimp user accounts. This is the second time the company has been hacked in less than a year. Last March, attackers again gained MailChimp employee credentials via a social engineering attack, that time accessing 319 accounts. MailChimp said, After we identified evidence of an unauthorised actor, we temporarily suspended account access for MailChimp accounts where we detected suspicious activity to protect our users' data. We notified the primary contacts for all affected accounts on January 12th, less than 24 hours after initial discovery. One of those 133 MailChimp users was the WordPress e-commerce platform WooCommerce. According to TechCrunch, WooCommerce told its users that it was notified by MailChimp that the breach may have exposed the names, store web addresses and email addresses of its customers, though it said no customer passwords or other sensitive data was taken. Another company affected by the breach was the sports betting website FanDuel, which has warned its users to look out for phishing emails. IT Pro reports that FanDuel emailed its customers to confirm that their names and email addresses had been acquired by an unauthorized actor, but that no passwords, financial account information or other personal information was accessed. Undoubtedly, other companies that use MailChimp to send their marketing emails will issue similar warnings soon. As ever, it's prudent to exercise caution and only click on links in emails if you can be certain they're not malicious. You can find more free information about phishing and other social engineering attacks and how to avoid them on our website. Approximately 300 fast food outlets in the UK, including branches of KFC, Pizza Hut and Taco Bell, were forced to close on the 18th of January following a ransomware attack on their parent company, Yum Brands. According to Computer Weekly, Yum Brands said that as soon as it detected the incident, it implemented planned response protocols, deployed containment measures to prevent the malware spreading, including taking certain systems offline, and implemented enhanced monitoring for further activity. A company spokesperson said, The company is actively engaged in fully restoring affected systems, which is expected to be largely complete in the coming days. Although data was taken from the company's network and an investigation is ongoing, at this stage there's no evidence that customer databases were stolen. While this incident caused temporary disruption, the company is aware of no other restaurant disruptions and doesn't expect this event to have a material adverse impact on its business, operations or financial results. T-Mobile has revealed in a filing with the US Securities and Exchange Commission that some 37 million customers' personal data was breached after a bad actor exploited an API between the 25th of November last year and the 5th of January this year. In a statement published on its website, T-Mobile US said, No passwords, payment card information, social security numbers, government ID numbers or other financial account information were compromised. Some basic customer information, nearly all of which is the type widely available in marketing databases or directories, was obtained, including name, billing address, email, phone number, date of birth, account number, and information such as the number of lines on the account and service plan features. According to Bleeping Computer, this is the eighth data breach the company has suffered since 2018. On a smaller scale, but no less inconvenient for its victims, the ice rink operator Planet Ice, which runs 14 ice rinks around the UK, has suffered a data breach affecting approximately 200,000 customers. 
According to the BBC, fraudsters may have been able to access people's names, addresses and passwords. The company said, IMP UK, who provide event services to Planet Ice, can confirm that personal information may have been unlawfully accessed or affected by a data security incident. All financial information is handled by WorldPay systems, and therefore financial information has not been accessed as part of this breach. We apologise for the inconvenience this may have caused and want to assure customers that personal data has been made secure. Finally, Apple has issued an emergency patch to fix a security vulnerability in older devices' WebKit, which is being actively exploited by attackers. According to the security advisory, processing maliciously crafted web content may lead to arbitrary code execution. Apple is aware of a report that this issue may have been actively exploited against versions of iOS released before iOS 15.1. iOS 12.5.7 is now available for the iPhone 5S, iPhone 6, iPhone 6 Plus, iPad Air, iPad Mini 2, iPad Mini 3 and 6th generation iPod Touch. If you don't have automatic updates enabled, simply visit Settings, General, Software Update and follow the prompts. That was the news. Now, the International Standard for Information Security Management, ISO 27001, has been the mainstay of our work here at IT Governance since Alan Calder and Steve Watkins became the first people in the UK to successfully implement an information security management system that was certified as compliant with ISO 27001's precursor, BS7799. A former director of IT Governance and its parent company, GRC International Group, Steve is, among other things, chair of the UK ISO 27001 user group, a member of ISO IEC JTC 1SC 27, the International Technical Committee responsible for the ISO 27000 family of standards, Chair of IST 33, the UK National Standards Body Committee for Information Security, Cybersecurity and Privacy Protection, and a Technical Assessor for UCAS, conducting assessments of accredited certification bodies offering ISO 27001 certification. Earlier, Cammy spoke to Steve about his new book, ISO IEC 27001-22, An Introduction to Information Security and the IMS Standard, and what ISO 27001-2022 means for organisations. Welcome to the IT Governance Podcast. Uh, it's absolutely amazing to have you on board with us here today. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, Steve, you're the author of many books around cybersecurity and information uh, management, and uh, also, I suppose, a renowned expert on ISO 27001. And that's pretty much exactly why we've got you here today to talk about ISO 27001 and your pocket guide around an introduction to information security and the ISMS standard. So, I suppose, diving straight into it, what does ISO 27001 sort of mean for organisations and why is it important? Why should organisations be looking to get certified with the standard? Okay, so uh, 27001, it's, um, it, it sets out the requirements for a recognised good practice approach to managing information security effectively. Mm. Um, so as a standard, uh, it sets out those requirements. The benefit of having a standard that sets out requirements means that there can be a certification scheme that runs alongside it. Yeah. Um, and the certification scheme enables organisations to, if they achieve certification, demonstrate to both themselves, parts of you know, the management, the board, etc., um, and to others that they manage information security in accordance with the 
requirements in 27001. The fact that ISO IEC 27001 is an international standard adopted globally, um, therefore means that a certificate of conformity against that standard uh, is recognised if it's part of the worldwide recognised scheme all around the globe. Yeah. And I guess it's, it's important I, I reflect that the, the pocket guide, um, the, uh, the reason for the pocket guide effectively in the first instance, and this is the uh, second or third edition now, I can't remember quite. Um, <laughs> the reason is that in, in my experience, a fair number of people understand one or two aspects of the combination of the discipline of information security, the benefits of a management system and certification mm. is the three, those three aspects. Um, and they understand that together they provide a powerful assurance mechanism for information security management. However, few get the key principles of all three of those. And that's where the pocket guide comes in. It covers these three is issues at a higher level and explains how together they enable organisations to demonstrate that they are and continue to effectively manage information security risk over time. Mm. So the pocket guide gives readers a base level understanding of how to use 27001 and the accredited certification scheme to good effect, really. Yeah, and I suppose with cybercrime on the rise and this new hybrid working world that we seem to be in, having a standard like ISO 27001 in place and being able to demonstrate that you are you know, certified and compliant with it is going to become increasingly more important as well, isn't it? Sure, yeah. And and the rate of change, you touched on the, the enforced or acceleration of the move to hybrid working, um, the sheer rate of change of technology and uh, working practices effectively um, has been reflected in the latest editions of ISO 27001 and it's, I'll call it a sister standard, 27002. Um, yeah. And in particular, the controls. So uh, for those who aren't familiar with the two standards, ISO 27001 contains the requirements for the management system that helps the organisation identify what, the measures it wants to put in place to manage information security effectively and how to monitor those and ensure they're effective and remain appropriate for the um, changing world we live in. And 27002 then provides guidance on a candidate set of controls that yeah. the organisation implementing an information security management system, once they've determined the controls they require, they should do a sense check against the controls that are in Annex A of 27002, which happens to be exactly the same control set in 27, sorry, Annex A of 27001, which happens to be yeah. exactly the same control set as those detailed in 27002, but 27002 gives or provides many more pages and, well, pages and pages of guidance uh, on those controls. The 2022 version of those two standards um, has updated that control set with um, a new structure, a new approach, some new thinking behind the controls and bringing them up to date. OK, and you've mentioned controls there. So what specifically are the controls for ISO 27001 for those that aren't aware? 
Okay, so the the controls in AXA are 27,001, 2022, 2022 mm. being the year the international version was published yeah. uh, of the latest edition. They fall into four categories. There's 93 controls in all. They fall into four categories. So there's organisational, which um, tends to relate to more than one person. And I'm emphasising that because the second category is people. And those controls relate to individuals, effectively. So that would be things like screening, um, awareness, uh, those sorts of issues that deal with individuals as opposed to an organisational wide people mm -hmm. issue, which might be a policy statement, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, then there's uh, physical controls. So information security, as I'm sure many are aware is not solely related with information technology concerns. Yeah. Um, it, it spans the physical access, of course. If someone walks out with a hard copy of information, then that could potentially hurt just as much as if they hacked your system and downloaded that information or uh, viewed it on a screen. Yeah, so it's a physical different controls, format, isn't it? Yeah. Indeed, yeah. So physical controls is the third uh heading if you want and the the fourth is technological which most people get for information security so there's four headings that those 93 controls in annex a of 27001 are brigaded under hmm. um and if we're if we're looking at the difference between the 2022 version of the control set and the 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 previous version 2013 yeah. um the structures changed somewhat so, in what um, way? There, there used to be uh, 14 headings instead of the four I've just described. Okay. And each of those headings would have one or more control objectives. So, if you imagine a family tree, each, con each control category, the 14 of them, would have control objectives under it. And under each control objective, there would be a number of controls. Whereas now the 93 controls are simply listed under the um, four headings I mentioned earlier, uh, with each control having a title, and then there's what's called some attributes associated with the control, which um, are designed to help ISMS managers and risk managers ensure that they've got the appropriate blend of controls to address any particular risk. Um, there's a statement of the actual control uh, which expands on the control title. Some of the control titles can be quite misleading, whereas yeah. the, the control tends to expand on that slightly and give a, a broader understanding or, or at least a better understanding of how broad the control could be. Um, in fact, I just blogged on exactly that issue or recently, uh, okay. and it, it got quite a few um, comments and uh, attracted quite a bit of attention. So yeah. the difference between the control title and the control and the guidance that comes after it. So coming back to 27,002, we've got the control title, as I've said, the attributes, the control, the purpose, why the mm -hmm. control is likely to be selected or applied, and then guidance on uh, the control and the considerations that anyone deploying the control should um, bear in mind when they're implementing it. Yeah, I think... There's obviously been like an update from the 2013 version and into this 2022 version of ISO 27001. What 
other changes? Has there been much by way of change for the new standard or the new version of the standard? So the the management system requirements in 27001 have changed. Um, there's there's generally uh, two schools of thought as to how significant these changes might be. One is they're not really, are they? Um, all you need to do is consider a new control set. And the mm -hmm. second one is that actually there there are changes and of course they need to be reflected in an information security management system. Um, mm -hmm. I, I fall into the uh, second category, there are changes. <laughs> um, yeah. And whilst the key one is comparing your the organization's determined controls against those in Annex A, there are numerous other tweaks, if you want, in 27001 management system requirements, including um, some some swapping around of clause numbers, which really won't help those who think they've got uh, spreadsheets and toolkits that are nice and easy to um, to use and maintain. Um, so yeah, uh, it, it's worth anyone looking to um, transition from the 2013 version of the standard to 2022 to look at those changes in some detail um, and work out how they might adapt and develop their information security management system best to reflect the, the changed requirements. As I say, there's a couple where it's simply um, swapping clause numbers, but there's others where defining the um, need for processes and how processes are going to be effective, etc., uh, could have quite an impact. So, yeah, I, I suppose someone that is looking to sort of implement ISO 27001 new to the new to the game, I suppose, it's kind of going to be relatively straightforward, but there is still going to be a bit of work for those that have already implemented ISO 27001 in yeah. terms of reflecting those changes. It's not going to be an easy ride. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it's 27001 has, has always been since uh, the initial version in 2005 and indeed the British standard that was uh, uh, available prior to 27001-2005. Um, it, it's always been positioned as uh, scalable for any size organization or uh, degree of complexity or risk. And so, of course, those organizations that have implemented an information security management system reflecting the requirements in 27001 in a relatively low risk, non-complex environment, the changes will not be hugely significant. Whereas if there is a large, uh, complex, high risk scenario and the information security management system has the intricacies and um, details to reflect that, then I'd suggest the changes to the uh, requirements standard 27001 would have um, uh, a bigger effect. Yeah. A larger suppose, effect on. Yeah. I suppose this is quite a basic question, but how does ISO 27001 like work, how do organisations implement those controls that you were just talking about? Okay, so there, there's a, a number of approaches that have evolved over the years as to how you might want to implement a management system that reflects the requirements in 27001. So it's um, not a one-size-fits-all, it's kind of what suits what suits your organisation? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, 
And and there's different methods. Uh, some the standard itself says that the the numbering of the management system requirements, the clauses in the standard, is purely for reference purposes. Some methods of implementing an information security management system see them as a as the order of tasks to implement the ISMS. Um, in in my experience. Uh, having worked with information security management systems and standards since the mid to late 90s, dare I say, that dates me. <laughs> um, <laughs> over that period, I'd suggest that actually working through clause, and I'm going to start for clause four for a reason, because one, two and three are not really got that many requirements in them, but they do have consequences for clauses four through 10, which is where the management system requirements are defined. So uh, in my experience, starting with clause four and working your way through is, is not as effective as possibly addressing, say, some of the support issues around resources, communication, control of documentation and documented information. Uh, and put in a continual improvement and improvement activities, processes and records around that, or mechanism of catch, capturing records around that in place early on, um, A, helps the project proceed appropriately. And if the organisation opts to go for certification, it means you're generating evidence earlier on in your project yeah. to yeah. demonstrate to an external auditor that you have been practising continual improvement. Whereas if improvement being item 10 out of clauses 4 to 10, if you follow the sequence of clauses in the standard, the, the numerical, numerical references, you end up um, putting a, a process in place to manage improvement and capture the records which are required to demonstrate to an auditor after you've implemented everything, which is a whole raft of improvement. Yeah, 100%. So... What would your advice be for organisations that are looking to start their certification journey for ISO 27001? What are the requirements? How can they sort of ensure the systems they set, they set up and put in place are effective? Um, do some reading. <laughs> I was going to say, buy my book. <laughs> <laughs> buy the public guide, available on itgovernancepublishing.co.uk. <laughs> yeah, any, any of the books. Um, <laughs> um, where, where to start? Uh, read around it, make sure that you you understand what you're committing to from the outset. And that requires commitment from the top management in an organisation. Trying to um, put an information security management system into any sort of organisation by stealth behind the, um, without the top management realising it isn't going to work. It's not going to be an information security management system. Um, it will be a probably ill-fated initiative yeah. for flat on its face. Um, so read around it, make sure you're understanding what you're committing to at the outset, make sure top management are on side, get that commitment, and from that commitment onwards, um, and this goes for any size of organisation, think about what competencies, so knowledge and skills you need in okay. order to deliver the project, and have you got them in-house? If you haven't got them in-house, do you want to develop them in-house? Do you want to buy them in? Do you want to um, find some other solution? Uh, and then most methodologies say, well, make sure you've got a copy of the standard. I've got to admit, I think that's a really good idea. It's not technically a requirement of the standard that you have a copy of it, but it's pretty hard to 
make sure you meet the requirements of the standard without actually having a copy of it. Yeah. So buy a copy of the standard. Yeah. yeah, buy a copy of the standard. That's not a bad idea. Um, and I should, in having said that, flag that really, if you're buying a copy of 27001, you um, need to have uh, a copy of 27002 to really appreciate the breadth and depth of each of the controls in Annex A of 27001, so that when you do the comparison between the controls you've determined as necessary, which you can source from anywhere you want, or you can make your own up, when you compare those against those in Annex A of 27001, that you've got a full appreciation of that control in Annex A um, by referencing 27002. And there's really good guidance in there anyway. It's, it's a valuable document, in my opinion. The other... The other standard that's relevant is ISO IEC 27000. That's relevant because it's a normative reference from 27001. A normative reference in, in layman's speak rather than a formal term is basically you can't read and apply this without looking at this other document. So mm. you've got to have access to at least the terms and definitions aspect of 27000. ISO IEC 27000 in order to be able to interpret and apply ISO IEC 27001. Yeah, one of those the, things where some people always insist on putting together IKEA furniture without looking at the directions, but having the directions there is probably a good idea and you should be referring to them. Yeah, that's a good good comparison. <laughs> and uh, the only problem is you buy 27001 and you don't get you don't get the uh, instruction book <laughs> in with it <laughs> in, if you're comparing the instruction book to the terms and definitions. So yeah. a lot of people might not appreciate that the term internal audit is defined as a documented process to dot, 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 dot. So actually, the, the inference from that definition is that you are required to have a documented process describing your approach to internal audit because the definition says it's a documented process too. It, it, it's definitions like that, that that some may not grasp. Um, it also usefully defines information security, uh, and that would help readers understand or users understand um, why clause 612 of 27001-2022 talks about the information security risk assessment covering uh consequences of having confidentiality, integrity and availability compromised. And I know some of uh, the people I've worked with over the years would have been very disappointed if I hadn't got that referencing to CINA at least once in, um, <laughs> in this uh, conversation. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that you actually mentioned just previously was kind of getting buy-in from the top, so from the board for, you yeah. know, when you start on your ISO 27001 journey. I suppose, how how do you pitch this to the board? How, because it's obviously, it's a lot of time, it's a lot of investment, you know, it's not a small project at all. How do you convince people to buy in to ISO, to implementing ISO 27001? We have far too many acronyms in this industry. <laughs> um, yeah. And putting an information security management system in place. So the, it, it depends partly on what sector the organisation's in, and um, so it, it, some some organisations they're they're driven to or required to look at twenty seven thousand one by their clients. Their clients mm. demand it, or 
potentially uh, regulatory or a licensing authority mandates that the organization will adopt or comply with or achieve certification to 27001. In that case, you tend to find that management are not so much committed to implementing an information security management system that meets the requirements of 27001. They're more committed to getting a certificate on the wall that says they've got an information security management system that reflects the requirements of 27001. And there's a difference. They want if the sticker, you, the, sh the shiny god sticker. <laughs> yeah, they want the sticker. They don't want they, they, <laughs> the, ha the hassle. <laughs> yeah, they don't want the hassle ultimately. Now, yeah. if, if you can sell the benefits of an information security management system to top management, they, they're committed to the management system that will give if you engage a, an accredited certification body to, to deliver the audits and the award a certificate if they find you're in conformity, it will give a certificate in due mm -hmm. course. Um, and, you know, even if top management are uh, committed to simply, I say simply, to getting that certificate on the wall in the first instance, if the information security management system's designed well and the monitoring, measurement, analysis, evaluation, and the whole kit and caboodle does what it should be doing, it will demonstrate to management its own worth over time mm. through management review and performance monitoring of the ISMS. So in due course, they should become, or they'll start to appreciate and realise the value of the management of the ISMS, and therefore yeah. become more committed to the ISMS than retaining a certificate on the wall. Although that certificate on the wall will still be necessary, of course, because clients are demanding it, and regulators or licensing authorities might be mandating it. Yeah, 100%. I'm just forgetting very conscious of the time, because I could obviously chat about this for hours, but I won't keep you any longer. So, Steve, it has been absolutely amazing having you on the podcast. And your pocket guide has been updated to reflect the changes in the ISO 27001 standard, hasn't it? Indeed, yes, it has. Yes, it has. And that's available to buy at icgovernancepublishing.co.uk. So it's an introduction to information security and the ISMS standard ISO 27001. So, Steve, lovely to have you on board and hopefully chat again soon. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you, Cami and Steve. You can buy Steve's Pocket Guide to ISO 27001 2022 from IT Governance Publishing, IT Governance and all good retailers. That's it for this time. As ever, you can get in touch with us either by leaving a comment on the blog or via Twitter at ITGovPod, that's my account, or at ITGovernance. We'll return in a fortnight, but until then, our archive is on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and you can find everything you need to implement and maintain cybersecurity defence in depth on our website itgovernance.co.uk. Thank you.